This is a very encouraging meeting to me. Not only that it exists, but that there's so many of you. This is the number we used to get, maybe more, when all three campuses came together last year or the year before. So this campusing focus feels significant to me, and that there's an identity here, that you have your elders here, you have pastors here, and by pastor I mean there's a campus pastor, so Dan is the campus pastor north, Kenny is the campus pastor downtown, and David Livingston is the campus pastor south, and that role will become increasingly significant, increasingly uh, senior pastorish, with me as kind of the trumpet of the vision. So, um, lean on Kenny for what you want to see happen at this campus. And I'll, I'll show up whenever I'm asked. Why my role as a preaching uh, pastor is not, is not enough. And I think I have uh, two or three answers with a bunch of sub-points. So, this package right here should last about 15 minutes or so. We'll see. Number one... Preaching is a God-ordained part of the corporate life of the church. So first I'm defending myself before I say I'm inadequate. Um, I believe in what I do. And here's why. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work, Forget the chapter break, which comes right there. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in his, by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. So he's talking to Timothy in the context of Timothy's pastoring the church at Ephesus, and he's telling them the foundation of his ministry, which is all scriptures inspired, and without any break, in one of the most amazing charges in the presence of God and of Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing. That's a heavy kind of introduction to three words. Preach the word, Timothy. So that lands on me in my role with weight, and so I'm just saying I believe in it now. But the Bible makes clear that preaching is not enough. And here's some reasons. The church is a covenant community in which all members are ministers. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. How many times have we heard this for decades? I remember having it clobber me very powerfully by Ray Stedman, who pastored in the San Francisco Bay area, and just stressed this, that you are the ministers, and we are the equippers of the ministers. And that's what that says. So that's the first reason why... A a preacher isn't enough because all the saints are ministers. Second reason. 
the Holy Spirit. Something's fishy. Forget the numbers. The Holy Spirit ministers to the body through each member. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's probably the most important verse in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Just think of it. To each, no exceptions. If you are in Christ, if you are, if you are attached to Jesus and thus attached to the body, you are given a manifestation, a showing. I think Don Carson's book title on these three chapters is called Showing the Spirit. Yeah, from this verse. I just want to read a commentary on 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. Get Carson on Showing the Spirit. So, every one of you is given a showing of the Spirit. Why? Like to show off your gift? No. For the common good. If, if people get healed when you pray for them, or if people get amazing guidance when you point them to a word, if, if people are starting to come to you for a particular gifting that you have, it's not a boast thing. This is a common good. So, the common good is what the church is about, and I, I want to contribute to the common good, and I hope every single one of you, and you will teach this to your small group, we all have a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, everybody in your group comes to that group bringing a manifestation of the Spirit. Get them to pray that way. Get them to pause for just five minutes before they come and say, Lord, what manifestation of your spirit may I bring to the group tonight? And, and God will answer that prayer. He loves His church. He loves to flow through the body to the church. So why would, why would He withhold that manifestation when the Bible says you have it? Another reason why I'm, I'm not enough. The ministry of... I think that's supposed to be every. Every member is indispensable for the church to be what God calls it to be. So, I've argued here that everybody has a, a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And now I'm saying they are indispensable. And there are three texts that show that. 1 Corinthians 12, 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. you got somebody, I could name a few, they, they just, I mean, we all love them. They're kind of little dysfunctional people that hang around our church. They're indispensable. They're indispensable. They, they, they seem not to contribute anything, and that's their contribution. They call out of us extraordinary patience in prayer meetings, and so on. You've got, you're going to have some people like that in your group. That, that they, they, they seem to be dysfunctional, and, and you wonder, oh man, this thing would go well if they weren't here. I don't know what else this text means except that the, those that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Why would you say that? It's probably not because what they're bringing so much as who they are brings from you. I dealt with a woman after the service this morning who was kind of a proxy for another woman who was ticked off about some things I said two weeks ago about the healing because her son isn't been healed. And... and uh, she said, now what should I tell her? She asked me to ask you this. 
and one of the things I said, and I hate, you know, to be, my word to be transported by somebody else because I don't know how it's going to go. I'm going to say, this son of yours who will probably die in five years, he's 11 years old, um, is a gift to you. He's a gift. And I, I pointed over to where John Knight was sitting with his blind, autistic son. And if you want to have your faith strengthened, listen to the way John Knight talks about that boy and what a gift he is to the world and to his family. And not an easy gift, just a magnificent gift. So that's who they are. And text number two on that point is, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. So here's a person in your group who's saying, I don't have anything to give. That's what they're saying. Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. I, I'm not needed here. And here's the opposite. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Somebody says, right, you don't, you, you don't need to be here. <laughs> so the first person is saying, I don't need to be here. And the other person is saying, you don't need to be here. Both of those are dead wrong. That's the point of these two texts. So you get two kinds of people. One who say, I have nothing to give. And the other who says, I don't need others. So, clearly, the point there is, the ministry of every member is indispensable. Nobody should talk this way, nobody should talk this way, everybody should talk this way. Fourth reason. The ministry of the Word is commanded from all the members to the other members. So all the members who are in your small group are commanded by God to minister the word to each other. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another, exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So the one anothering in the group, and I'm arguing that that exhorting right there shouldn't just come out of your own head. It should come out of God's head, based on the Word. Your wisdom is not what counts here. God's wisdom coming through your wisdom, rooted in the Scriptures. The more the, more the Word you know, the more you'll be able to say appropriate things to people and exhort them to press on in the faith. Or chapter 10 of Hebrews. Let us consider how to stir up one another. Literally, it's let us consider one another, that is, study one another, so that you may know how to stir up one another to good love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. I grew up with that text being used to tell me to come to church on the weekend year after year, but it's one another. Neglect not. Stir up one another to love and good works, and don't neglect to meet together. So this is about the closest thing you have to a command for some kind of small grouping in the church to do what we hope will be done. Lastly, the experience experience teaches us why the one another ministry is a necessary partner with preaching. And I thought of seven things. One, the impulse to disappear in the crowd is very strong on Sunday morning. Just disappear. Just come, put in your time, listen to the sermon, disappear. So many, I would just probably say maybe 2,000 people at Bethlehem treat the church that way. They just come, they vanish into the crowd, they may like it, they may not like it, they may authentically worship, they may not, there may be blind spots, whatever, but it's just easy, it's easy to do church that way. You probably do church that way on vacation, 
Right? I do. On vacation, I want to disappear. Leave me alone. I'm on vacation. Don't recognize me. I want to go to a nice liberal church where nobody knows John Piper. <laughs> and, and just sneak in, hopefully hear a little bit of good teaching, and then sneak out again and have learned something about the mainline denomination. <laughs> so it's okay on vacation, but steady state life like that, bad. Number two, the tendency toward passivity in listening is very strong. I'm so discouraged right now about um, Paul, Tommy Paul, that there was a couple who were going to have a baby dedicated. And blessed, blessed Paul Tattersall, interviewing them, was that yesterday, Paul? Asked them, how's your marriage? They said, we're not married. So they got a baby, they're living together, and they're going to dedicate their baby this morning. They were on my list. <laughs> And he got that, and he intervened, painful phone call. No, that doesn't work here. And I asked Paul, so how are these people missing it? He said, they've been here for three years. And I said, I just want to go home. I just want to quit. I, I, want to quit. I, I asked Noel and Stephanie, what have I done wrong? What, what is wrong with me? How can I preach for three years? And have a couple not somehow get the message, no, you don't have babies, you don't have sex, you don't live together if there's no covenant bond called marriage. What's that say about the rest of us sitting here? Well, that, that's where I'm going, namely that, that's why I need you. I mean, I'm obviously failing. I'm not getting it done. And so, yeah, we're together in this. I obviously, man, I'm going to... I'm just going to start next Sunday's sermon. I think and say, "Excuse me, it's wrong not it's wrong to live together if you're not married." Okay, we got that clear in the church. I won't do that, but that's what I want to do. So, okay, passive listening. You never say that. I I never heard that. Three listeners in a big group can. Uh, more easily evade redemptive crises. And what I mean by that is, the Holy Spirit starts to move in your life to expose something. In a big group, it's just easy to shut that down and move on. In a smaller group, everybody watching you, watching the eyes tear up a little bit, and the sensitive people in your group can be on that, either afterwards or then, they can be on that. And there's no escape here. We love each other. We're not letting you go here. What was that about? What were those tears about right there? So it's easy to escape in a big group. Let it not be easy here. Number four, listeners in a large group tend to neglect efforts at personal application. I'm not a big applier. I mean, what did I do this morning? Just dump six textual observations on you with hardly any any applications. I have a deep conviction about how that works. I'm not ashamed of what I did this morning. But I know C.J. Mahaney would be on my case to say you need another ten minutes in that sermon of particular application to consciences. And, and I'm telling you, when those ten minutes are missing, I'm leaning on you. I'm leaning on you. Not that you have to build your small groups around the sermon, but that applicatory talk is what small groups are mainly about. Not more theology only, but applicatory talk. 
asking how it's working out in your life. So if you had a small group tonight, it would be, did that make any difference to you this morning? Would you do anything different this week? Does it affect your marriage at all? Anything about your parenting that would be impacted by what he said this morning? Uh, any practical effect? And, and if, if the answer is all no, then you proceed, email me. Say, it's not working. You know, Nothing's going on out there in the lives of people. I don't think that's true. But you're the place where those things will be leaned on more than I do. Opportunity for questions leading to growth are missing. I don't take questions after a sermon. You do, I hope. Six, accountability for follow-through on good resolves is missing. Suppose somebody does resolve, I'm going to do something. Anybody following up? Anybody asking? Anybody helping? And then seven, prayer support for a specific need or conviction. Prayer, huge, huge, huge piece of small groups. Praying for each other. Now, I've got another sheet here, but I'm not going to do it because we're out of time. Uh, about what I, I... I'm a small group leader now. I lead the pastor's group that uh, Kempton, Kempton and his wife are in, and, and Bud is in, and David Livingston is in, and now Tom's are in. And uh, so I feel responsibility for how do you guide a conversation? How do you get people from the supper table to the living room? How do you get them into the C.J. Mahaney book without it becoming just an analysis of C.J.? So that the word, how do you get to their hearts? How do you stop so you get to prayer? How do you end the thing on time so the babysitters are okay? I'm into all that painful stuff. I, it's not the sort of thing I like to do. I'd rather be upstairs studying, preparing to preach, instead of trying to think think timing and this stuff in small groups. But I love this group. I love to be together with these people. And somebody's got to do that. The, the burden of leadership is a burden. The others, they'll just come and say, go ahead, leave me, let's make it good. I hope he makes it good tonight. <laughs> and we have to Pray and think and plan and, uh, and hope it goes well. Okay, last thing I'm going to do is, is, is that. Oh, you can't read that. It shines through from the bottom. Maybe if I turn it over. Oh. Okay. I, I, uh, I stand and I pray with people. I was there for an hour after the second service. Long, painful stories. So I'm doing counsel and prayer. For an hour after the second service, one thirty when I got home, and uh, uh, it's tiring because I've been standing up and doing this for a long time. But it's it's right and it, it's it's rewarding, painfully rewarding. So two things. Now here's the kind of thing I want you for. Maybe even these two you can take from me. Uh, anybody know Belinda from Togo? Okay, Amy does. Nobody else does. Um, She's sweet, really sweet. She's in nursing at Normandale from Togo. She speaks French, but she's got perfect English. And uh, she said, I need, I need, I need your help. I, my father has died now, and I don't have anyone to turn to. And I have so many advice questions. So I, so I, I got her email. Jonathan got her email. And... Uh, and I said, we, we, will, we will work on this. Okay, now, who's, how are we going to work on this? <laughs> we will get this solved. You're in the church. This should not be a problem. And so we will go to Mary first, probably, to say an older woman would be pr- 
probably the most effective. This woman will not be a drag, I don't think, on anybody. This young lady will, will not be calling you ten times a day or, or a psychological basket case. She just seems to quite simply say, I used to ask my dad things, and he's not here anymore. And I don't know where to turn. And she's in another country. And so uh, anybody want to help with Belinda, then talk to me or talk to Jonathan. Wave your hand, Jonathan, because he got the email. And he, he knows her. She's the one who I mentioned was healed three weeks ago. She came with a very bad knee. She was sitting in the balcony. It came up to me afterwards, radiant, that when I preached on healing from the man of Bethesda, God made her knee get very warm, and, and she stood up. And there was no pain after that. There hasn't been since then. So there's where Belinda is. Now, the other, the other one is more challenging. There's a couple. I won't mention their names. I have them here. They're from India. They're both doctors. They've been married for, I don't say, I forget, several years. Um, she did a 12-year residency in India and came here to get away from the marriage. And she's just weeping. She's just standing there weeping. So here's a, a sophisticated couple, Indian couple, weeping in front of me. And him standing there knowing he's the problem, I think, because he said, I, I, I think I've been hard to live with. This is very serious. This is not a small-time problem. She, she's, they did not walk out together. She went that way. He went that way. And I was amazed they were, were, they were there. And they, she just said, I don't know if God wants us to stay married. I came here to get away from him. He came uh, four months later, and, and we're trying to make it work, and it isn't working. Now, here I am with a line of people behind them. What am I supposed to do? So I have their emails, I have their names, I can pronounce them even, and uh, I said I will, I will, I will put somebody in touch with you that I think I said I know God's will for your marriage. Yeah, that work, that work. I know that, and I believe He can, He can do this. But they're not well connected, and they don't have anybody. They are at each other's neck, probably. And and the way she put it was, we came from two very different cultures. So he's probably got a massive set of expectations, maybe maybe domineering and bossy, and I don't know, or maybe the reverse, I don't know, just two, two Indian cultures, and they're not blending. They need, they need great grace. So if any of you wants to uh, tackle, they're about, I would guess, in their 30s, early 30s, and they're at the university, and uh, so... I have emails there. So that's the sort of thing. I need par- I just I need partners. Sunday after Sunday, there are I just want to send people to people because I can't load on everything that's coming at me at the ends of these services and, and I just get some some weeks uh, a, a, a tiny avalanche of pain. And uh, that's why these pastoral guys, Nathan was here this morning, Jonathan was there. Was it last night? And she came. And, and I'm, I'm there to hand off people to them to get information. And, okay. So somehow maybe we can uh, increase our partnership along those lines. But the main thing I want to communicate is I, I am not the only, or I would even say main way, that the Word of God works in this church. I am a strong, forceful, upfront way Thousands of ministers with manifestations of the Spirit called to exhort one another every day. That's tens of thousands of exhortations during the week 
that the Holy Spirit will anoint as we, as we ask him to. So thank you for being here so much. It's so crucial what you're about.